I just hit record. So while we were discussing this, so, yeah, so we're good yeah. to go. <laughs> right. Oh, hey, Flo. So we're back. Yeah, we're back. Welcome everybody to to this episode of the Unbuild Blowers podcast. And we've got uh, a guest this time, right? Yeah, we have a guest, and it's Accenture's Mark Appel, or Mark is the managing director and head of content and editorial strategy. So, so he's a self declared content executive. Yeah. And I think the reason why we brought Mark on and discussed with him was that we all know the situation where as, as marketers, we're in a position where we are, and I'm making air quotes, just the marketing people, <laughs> but we need to drive some sort of change into the firm, right? We need to establish new policy. We have established some guardrails around who gets to publish what we need to embed a process around how we make decisions, you know, with content publishing and whatnot. And this can be difficult if you're not the business owner and not an executive in the practice. But again, air quotes, just marketing. The question is how, if you are in a situation, right, where you have, you need to get important stuff done, but you don't have that much of formal say, or let's call it what it is, right? You don't have that much sort of organizational cloud and power. How do you actually do it? And Mark has some things to say about it, A, because of his experience in the position he has, but also he recently published a LinkedIn post where he spoke directly to A, how he had to learn doing that type of stuff as a marketing executive and B, how he's doing it now. And I won't spoiler it. You'll hear it in our conversation, but that's the reason why we had him on. And I think it's an insightful conversation, even for those people who are not sitting at a super large organization, because I think that the type of, yeah, influence and driving change issues he speaks to, you can get into that in, I don't know, a 30 person shop, right? At least I have. And so I thought some of the stuff he shared was quite helpful. Yeah, no, I agree. And cue the theme song, and then we'll get straight into it. What'd you say? Yep. So onwards and upwards. From the home offices of Ash and Flow, this is Unbillable Hours, a podcast about professional services marketing. Stick around and listen to our insights, tips, and best practices to improve your firm's marketing and even your career. Welcome to this latest episode of the Unbillable Hours podcast. Everybody, thanks for listening in. I'm... In the home office alone, actually, but on the other, <laughs> calling into my home office, let's say it like that, are not just Ash, but also Mark Appel, who is working at Accenture as a managing director. Have, do I have that correct, Mark? Where you are sort of the global boss of all things brand and content. Is that correct? Or how would you describe your uh, role? I don't like to say global boss. I'm more a the strategy lead for content globally. And I help empower the rest of the organization with global strategy. We look at programming. We look at editorial. But it's uh, I hate the word boss. But but all right, all right, fair (laughs) enough. Then then we don't say the boss, but maybe to explain it a little bit or put it in context for people in smaller firms, maybe that means you you look after you lead the team that looks after, like you said, editorial things, the major thought leadership pieces, and also the policies and processes around these things. Right, the good old question. What do we write about and who gets to publish what, when, and these types of things, correct? That's right. So we've my group and how we work with the other. So we focus on developing the global strategy and then 
working to help implement it and basically sell it across the org, along with consulting on the processes, the governance work around it, um, and then overseeing sort of aggregate results to give insight to the rest of the org so that they can continue to evolve and do great work. Yeah. And this is uh, maybe for the listeners, the exact reason why we invited you, Mark, here, because if I understood your career bio correctly, you've been doing that in various positions, both in-house as you are today, but also you've been in, on the agency side for quite a while, right? Sort of advising yeah, clients. Yeah. That's right. That's right. I was at, uh, for a long time, uh, about, well, I don't know if it's long for everybody, but about 15 years in the agency world. That um, is worked, impressive. I worked about 15 years in the agency world on sort of big blue chip Fortune 500 clients or Global 2000 clients, so Microsoft and at the time HP and Citibank here in the States. And most of that time was at a company called Digitas, which is sort of where I cut my teeth on a lot of stuff in the digital space. And, you know, main clients there was American Express, where I spent a large part of my career and did some really great work there, but actually also worked on the Accenture business there for a hot minute, which, you know, ultimately led me to come work at Accenture. All right. And the reason we have you on is because, and maybe the listeners have heard it or read it between the lines, you can't do that in the podcast, is you've been They've working in these heard between large... the lines. They read between the lines. They're both accurate yeah. in this case. <laughs> Thank you. That's good. No, I mean, you've been working in these vast, complex organizations, right? And you have been, we, la we labeled this driving change, but th this could be anything, right? And I'll let you speak to it from maybe introducing a new piece of thought leadership or a campaign to, as we said, maybe shaping policies or editorial guidelines or whatever. So whenever... A marketer needs to go back into the organization and sort of tweak a few things. You've been doing that for a while. And I think that's why I wanted to have you on because we touched upon this time and again, right? As we go on about stakeholder management, working with the business, about all that stuff. But we wanted to hear from someone who does it every day on, on a fairly, yep. how should I put that, advanced level. And so, yeah, I basically I know, we want um, to hear from an expert flow. <laughs> Yeah, that's the right way of phrasing it. I mean, maybe getting into this, when we start about changing things or tweaking things, can you maybe share your perspective in the roles you've had? How important are these, not primarily marketing, but more function related pieces like systems, processes, policies, you know, guidelines, yeah. all this stuff. How important is that in general, would be your perspective for effective consultancy marketing? Yeah, I would say particularly for large orgs, consultancy or other, it's huge because when we look at, you know, and this, again, if you've been in the agency world, which, you know, most of the agencies that I worked at were big, but even big agencies are smaller than the marketing department we have at Accenture. In fact, all of yeah. them were, you know, the amount of coordination, as I'm sure everybody knows, is humongous, right? And most of the time, when you don't have the internal systems and the internal data set up in the right way, it can lead to being schizophrenic in market. You have a you know different voices because it's a distributed yeah. content development process and everybody's laser focused on optimizing the heck out of that one piece that they're currently working on. And so the biggest challenge I find is that people just don't know the work. And Interesting. Yeah. so it, performance data is one thing, like that's table stakes. Everybody should have access to performance data, right? 
it's all the other data on the activity and the planning and the workflow and where things are in the overall process where yeah. without access to the data around that, you really have no opportunity to know the work. And that means you can't change the work. And what I mean by that is there's, you know, again, in Accenture, we've got a, a huge marketing org and everybody's smart. They all have great ideas and everybody's, I mean, I'll just use Gen AI as an example. Everybody's got yeah. a Gen AI thought leadership piece in the hopper, right? You can't go yeah. on LinkedIn without seeing, you know, your feed just littered with it. And, you know, understanding what people are, what ideas are coming out of the org is critical mm -hmm. because if we don't know what's going to happen, what people are thinking, what they're planning, you will end up having a huge redundancy in the content that we're creating. We may actually end up going to market with conflicting messages, which is not good. Yeah. And obviously right. yeah, a huge, that's good one. Yeah. huge waste of time and money in a world where, you know, you know, we're trying to be efficient and also people's time get, you know, is valuable. So why would we spend it doing the same thing? So it, it's a huge, you know, we use this phrase, but it's like, you know, how do we give the org collective intelligence? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah, Not that's just a nice on the, way of framing it. Yeah. Right. And, you know, what we've done from a data and systems and, and all that stuff is really look at how we can set up the MarTech stack in a way that gives the org collective intelligence and that they can see the work. And we put in checkpoints, not huge, massive, you know, governance and central driven stuff, but, you know, a mm. collective sort of checkpoints along the way to say, okay, let's look at what's in the flow no pun intended. Let's look at what's in the marketing plan and then let's make the connections intentionally upstream before even things like research is fielded, right? To really make that connection. And so we have like a group that gets together every week and says, all right, let's look at what's in what's being planned and then let's review it together once a week. It's not a huge task. And then we literally make those connections with individual marketers to say, hey, did you know that this person over here is doing this? You're doing something in the same space. Instead of you doing two separate things, why don't you guys work together and come up with one idea and you know work that way? And then it's been really helpful because in a lot of cases in a big org, people just don't know, right? You're dialing yeah. people and it's like who you know is how you know what the work is going on. And so the data and the systems and the processes and the governance become that much more important. Which which I think that's, of course, very particular to larger firms. Although I would say you can, it can start in the mid-sized firms also. The point you referenced about making the work visible, right? By sharing data around the, not just the performance, but the other stuff going on. I mean, I have had, I have encountered people in reasonably, or let's say, orders of magnitude smaller firms, right? 100, 200 consultants where some senior partner says, marketing, I don't know what they're doing all day, right? Which that's an extreme <laughs> example, but maybe it goes to the point of the importance of sharing or giving insights into what's actually going on. I don't know if you have a perspective on that, but Ashley, I sometimes return to the reasons for having systems and processes or the challenge around that. If the objective, like the way you describe it now seems to be much more about establishing guardrails and ensuring efficiency in a large machine, we often mm -hmm. discuss it from a perspective of actually enabling the consultants, like the people who have the expertise and have to feed the marketing process in a way, right? Um, That's right. They have utilization targets. They have no time to contribute to the marketing process, blah, blah, blah. So 
that's where systems and process can be helpful to make it easier on them, so to speak, right? A yeah. snapshot sort of almost. Streamline, a snapshot work automated, yeah. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if you have a view on that or, or if that's on your, you guys, I'm guessing you're prioritizing that as well, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have, um, you know, a relationship marketing group, right? And they work directly with those account teams and the, you know, client account leads and things of that nature. And what, what's mm-hmm. been really interesting as we've started to organize and this idea of collective intelligence and knowing the work and all that stuff is, you know, we have different needs for different groups, right? So when an account team is like, I just need to know what thought leader should we have on this one topic that I can take my yeah. clients through. We have a view of our sort of know the work data that's specific and simple, right? For that audience that mm-hmm. they can go into one place, right? Depending and they pick their topic and then it just shows them here's what we have and here's what's in plan yeah. to be had, right? And then what we've done is, and this isn't just a marketing thing, obviously, but we've tried to orchestrate, and this has been the single biggest challenge with a a group this size, Mm -hmm. is to get the input back, right? Hey, obviously we've got, you know, sales data, if you will. How do we feed that back into the marketing data so that we really know the work all the way through? Oh, so but once just, it's out there, yeah. you mean once it's out there, what happened with it? Did you use it? How successful did it work for your clients? That type of stuff? Is that what you mean by getting it back? Yeah. And also, yeah. yes. And also what what topics came up that we don't know about uh, yeah. all right. that uh, we yeah, should yeah, yeah. be okay. talking uh-huh. about? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but, that's also, again, a function of size probably, but oh, maybe not because I find that often marketing is pretty removed from the actual client interactions and the day-to-day delivery business, right? It, there's a bit of a tendency of yeah, the I average mean, hour. And yeah. Yeah. It definitely can happen. I will say we, you know, from how we're now more or, you know, more coordinated and orchestrated than ever before. What's been kind of interesting, especially because, and this sort of goes to that, the first point, which is now that we've given the business a view of what the plan is, and we have mm. data to show, this was sort of, I think another topic possibly, but <laughs> when we were able to see the work, right. Um, yeah. And we had that visibility, you know, we saw initially when we finally got all the systems connected and we did, made a concerted effort, we saw that we had too many pieces being authored on a particular topic, right? Okay. And we saw that we were targeting, you know, everybody wanted to target the CEO. And it's like, yeah. really? Oh, that's funny. <laughs> How many pieces yeah. do you think the CEO could read, right? And yeah. <laughs> we also saw that we're overwhelming yeah. the audiences in smaller, in small time frames. So there wasn't this sense of cadence, right? That we had built into our marketing plan. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then we also saw that, you know, everybody wanted to p- publish to .com. And we're like, wait a minute, is that the right channel and the right format? I don't know. Shouldn't that just be yeah. a client tech? So yeah. Yeah. it was really great to see all this. And then we created a strategy around that based on that data. And what we did is we actually shared it with the business. And what came out of that was this, oh my gosh, it was like an aha moment, right? Where they're like, oh my God, no, we don't need you know, X amount of pieces on sustainability, right? Yeah. That doesn't necessarily line up to the the same sales priority that we thought we had, right? And let's connect these two business leaders and have them co-author a piece. And then we had another, you know, discussion around, well, wait a minute, are those the topics 
shouldn't we be also talking about this other thing? (laughs) And it was like, oh my gosh, now that we have the data on what the plan is, which the business Mm -hmm. had never seen in totality before, marketing also, you know, just all of a sudden became a strategic partner. Which that is is interesting. That's that is interesting because you, you sort of put the building block number one in there for us, right? But if you go back to the question, how do you drive change if you sit in the marketing function? Seems your answer there implicitly seems to be put the data together, give the overview, right? So that mm-hmm. it becomes easy to see where where we need to change things and maybe even why, right? Because that's also not even implicit. That's implicit, that's explicit in your data, right? If I have 15 sustainability pieces, yeah, it's kind of obvious. I probably can, you know. Simplify Drop one or two. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But Ash, sorry, you were saying something? Or... No, I was just saying that you can simplify or cut it down if you've got some of the pieces. You don't need to do all of them at the same time. It's yeah. just sometimes we also know a lot of pieces are ego pieces more than, you know, meaningful pieces so, as well. Yeah. So the tip one for the audience there would be, and this is now me riffing a little bit, but Get it, not just having the overview and having the insight, because you probably already have that, right? As the marketing function somewhere or another, or maybe big picture, but making it accessible to the business end, right? So think of them as you would think of clients in the in, with the contents of your marketing and the messaging and so forth, right? Also, if you talk about the process or the systems you have, 100%. think of them as clients. Because that's what you said is, right? They had different needs and stuff. Your language was the exact same, which I find very interesting to think about, okay, how can we communicate what we're doing here to to the leaders of the business, essentially, right? That's right. And I think, you know, often we, again, everybody's sort of heads down in their own thing and just like the business is, right? They are held to targets. They've got a revenue number and a margin number they've got to hit, right? And, and they're you know, comp is based on that, obviously, you know, but getting them to pick their head up and showing them is huge. And it may sound obvious, right? (laughs) Like, it's like, of course, but the, you know, we've even gone to the step of showing them and giving them access to our global EdCal in marketing. So they can literally see when these pieces are going to drop visually, because it's such a huge tool that they go, oh my gosh, this is all coming out and we're promoting it. And I don't think I'm ever going to get to the CEO of that company to have that discussion until much later. Now that I know there are these other pieces coming out. So let me rethink about what I was planning on doing. Yeah. And I mean, mean, literally that conversation has happened. Yeah. And you say it might seem obvious. I think it's not obvious at all. It's just in practice because I've looked into a bunch of firms over the past one and a half, two years and sometimes just giving the marketing teams the idea, right, of having a Slack channel, like, it does not them giving visibility to the ad code. It's far less sort of sophisticated, but it's just to give listeners an idea how small steps can change this. Like if you have a Slack channel and you just post and share back what happened with certain marketing things, I might mm-hmm. say, hey, Mark, the podcast episode quite dropped and your yours is the best start to the week right this like giving back these morsels of information builds huge momentum because people never ask what is marketing doing ever again because they can see it every day and it makes it creates a draw to your activities because people can see oh not only did i contribute to this piece of thought leadership or i gave this interview or i hopped onto this podcast no something actually happened with it and it created some sort of resonance in the market which is not the rule even in very small firms it can happen that consultants contribute something to marketing and then never hear again from marketing what became of yeah. that, right? That's a miss if you're not doing these types of things. 
But anyways, I mean, this. so this was building block one, I think to me mentally, right? Putting the required insight in, in place and preparing it. And then I think now you have done this. You mentioned you identified a few things where change might be needed. Yep. The sustainability pieces, we have too many, which I think that goes to the second building block is how do you now go about managing this change, right? We need to do something different. Some people have maybe to kill their darlings, right? That's what we are saying here implicitly. So how do you go about this? You had mm -hmm. a LinkedIn post, which was the initial which gave me the idea for this interview. You had a LinkedIn post out a while ago, which I'm happy to link in the show notes if you care for that. But you compared how your process for communicating these required tweaks to the machine, right? Has changed over the years and how you're now running a process mm -hmm. that you compare in that post to putting together a concert tour. Do you want, do you remind, do you remember that, that post? Do you want to walk people through the thinking there again? Yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, I'm still touring. <laughs> yeah, it's, that never stops, I'm afraid. <laughs> it never stops, especially the bigger. But yeah, that was, it was actually just a, I, I remember I was sitting, this is crazy. I was sitting in a parking lot. My daughter was in a, a volleyball class and uh, they don't let the parents in for whatever reason. And so I'm sitting in my car and I, you know, I just happened to be in the middle of basically, you know, rolling out and driving the internal change management around the new content strategy. And I just, I had this epiphany before I was in the ad business or in the ad agency business, I was actually a musician and it just occurred to me. I just had this moment where I was like, you know, this is kind of like a concert tour driving change within a big organization. And so I wrote this LinkedIn post about it, but it was, you know, just this thought, you know, a lot of marketers get into marketing because they love the marketing, right? Yep. And they love coming up with ideas. They love the, you know, looking at the insights, coming up with an idea, bringing it to market, seeing the results. And it's very gratifying to to bring it, you know, yeah, maybe they win some awards, they go to Cannes, whatever, right? But the internal side of it at a big org is just as important for a number of reasons. Yeah. And as I was thinking about, okay, how can I do this change management in a way that is going to actually work? I'm sure you guys have all been, you know, in these process change management, you know, meetings where you, your eyes roll in the back of your head and you just want to go to sleep because you're just bored to tears. And, yeah. you know, I, the, when I look back at some of the things that I actually took in and was like, this is really cool. I'm excited for the change and to help make the change happen. There's always an entertainment value to it. You know, it gets you riled up as a human. And so when we started thinking about this, it was a, you know, how can I make this a show? Right. I want it to be memorable. <laughs> I mean, it's just principles yeah. of marketing, right? And so I, you know, created a a presentation deck that was, you know, a, a little bit more entertaining. It was got a, a little fun, you know, wasn't your typical thing. And the way we prepared for, you know, this was like a tour. We set up the tour dates. We, you know, talked with the promoters ahead of the show to make sure that they were getting everybody in. I mean, it was like a whole thing around how we really focus yeah. this on being a concert tour. Which I like that you like this particularly because what you did not do is when you Google around for change management and how to do it right, you, you get this, I call this Simon sinek advice, right? Simon Sinek has good things to say about change management, but he always describes the thing where you go to the early adopters, right? And you work with them explosively to build the momentum and so forth, which is right. And it's cool. And I fully buy that he does it in a way which works. But it's not a position we all 
we're all in, right? Because <laughs> usually <laughs> you have to take everybody on board first try and you have six weeks or whatever and it has to, there's not much room for error or a long stretch of time to roll it across the org. And we, that's why I liked your concert tour thing because that seemed to to be applicable to a much larger audience than just to the 20 guys who love whatever the change is anyways. And I mean, I think this is why I like the example of the too many pieces and the too many sustainability reports it's not always going to be great, right? Sometimes you have bad messages <laughs> to transmit as the marketing guy saying, sorry, we're not publishing this quarter, also not next quarter, right? These types of things. And I think, yeah, so the concept yep. tour and the bigger picture, that can be a helpful you know, thing. Yeah, it also makes sense because change happens <clears throat> ongoing. It's not like you have this time often before change happens and you start the management process. So it's easy with the concert tour because you already have some of the songs there before you tour. Not considering the fact that you probably start the change within the change management itself. A hundred percent. And I think what was great, you know, again, when we think about the crew and the roadies, you know, analogy, again, not calling anybody in my company a, a crew or roadie, <laughs> but, you know, you know, we had a, a, a team assembled that were sort of the champion group, you know, ahead of this across, you know, leads from across the different major sort of groupings within the org that, you know, I brought along and helped input into the strategy. So they felt a part of it and it represented what they knew they needed to get done as well. And so for me, you know, we had them helping set us up, up for success as we were going around and framed in the language and the ways that those teams work and things like that. And it was really a good warm entry. So by the time I actually got in front of these people, you know, it was okay, just put on your tap shoes and get going. You don't have to like convince people they have to change, right? We had sort of right. leaked out some of the data ahead of time so they knew what to expect. And, you know, we treated it like a each event, like a pre, during, post, you know, event that you would do marketing around in some ways. So it was really, mm -hmm. let's do what we do for event marketing and do that internally right? But do it in a repeatable way and have, you know, this provide entertainment value. Because I mean, in a company this size, you can imagine mine is not the only change management <laughs> effort going on, right? There's a lot of stuff changing. Um, I mean, our advertising campaign is let there be change, you know, so <laughs> we're at the heart of this stuff. So anyway, I thought it was a good way to sort of frame it. And, you know, it's, you can check out the LinkedIn post, but it was you know, a couple of key insights that came out of it that were, I thought were really yeah. helpful there. I mean, the one I also liked was you writing about how you had to embrace the change management part a little bit. I, you already said it right now that it's almost equally as important mm -hmm. in, in certain circumstances. Do, would you say, what's your view there? Is this a must, yeah. must learn or must embrace or can I weasel out of it? No, probably not, right? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. How would well, you yeah, no, I mean, it, it, I guess it certainly depends on where you sit and what you're responsible for. But I, I do think... You know, if I equate like level of influence as a barometer for whether you're going to be successful in more senior and senior roles, change management is one of those things which can either break you, you know, or make you in some ways, yeah, yeah. right? And you basically, it's your personal brand, right? That you're putting mm -hmm. on stage every single show, right? And so if you do it well, People like I have people come up to me and go, oh, yeah, I remember the serial slide. <laughs> There's a <laughs> slide in the deck where I compare content to CPG products, which I used a serial All for. Right. 
And, you know, everybody, they're like, oh, the cereal slide. I can't believe, you know, and they get like, literally they ask me, if they repeat the cereal slide to me. You know, it's again, I don't know if Mark and cereal go together, but whatever. So <laughs> it's, it really is important. I think as you get more, uh, you know, to train yourself to, to be able to influence wider and wider swaths of the organization, which obviously, you know, requires, is required as a senior, you know, lead within an org. I think it's critical. And it's, All you right. know, can you sell internally? Pretty, pretty clear, pretty clear answer right there, which uh, that's tangential, but I have heard senior consulting partners say the same about what's sometimes referred to as firm politics, right? <laughs> Where someone told me, <laughs> yeah, they always, they used to say, oh, I don't want nothing to do with corporate politics and policymaking and that stuff. Until at some point in their career, they understood that that's just how you get stuff done, right? At the end of the day, which is yep. like you just said, once you hit a certain level of seniority, it's what you get paid for, to be honest, right? You're not doing, in our case, maybe yeah. the marketing as much anymore. You make sure that marketing happens throughout the throughout your work and successfully. And then yeah, I can I I fully buy the point that it's necessary. And I think again, the way you described it, interesting. So I I will recommend people find the link post, read it. I also like this idea that I didn't know you were a musician. You have to tell me what instruments <laughs> you played or what you did there. We get back to that in a second. But what I also like there is knowing this now is that you clearly found like a metaphor or a process to, that just fits yourself and that you enjoy. And that's, that's maybe a good way to swallow the frog of doing more change management, right? If you can link it yep. to something you, that, that you like, and that works for you. And it's also then authentic in the process. I think that, that just came into my head sort of that, but what was the musician career that you want to elaborate on that? Just a little bit? It was a short career. I went to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with LaGuardia High School of Music and Art, which if you saw Fame, the movie from the 80s. Yeah, I've seen that one. I want to yep. live forever, that one. Yeah. Yep. I went to that school and then, you know, played basically originally got in for the audition on classical guitar. They didn't have a guitar program. So I ended up switching to trombone, played, you know, in a jazz band, orchestra, all that stuff. Went to college in Binghamton University. And continued there. And then when I got out of school, played in a few professional gigs in New York City, uh, jazz. And uh, oh. I had some friends in high school, one in particular, who who won a Grammy in high school. So Ooh, these are legit <laughs> you know, musicians. And I was serious, you know, just learning still. <laughs> but, uh, you know, of all the fantastic musicians that came out of that high school, you know, and I wasn't necessarily at the level of that, but... You know, one of them made it and I'm thinking to myself, yeah. okay, am I really going to be there? I don't know. And so I ended up switching career tracks at that point and went into a variety of things that ultimately landed me here, which is I'm happy about. But you're still touring. So there we have it, right? Yeah, there um, you go. <laughs> man, all the touring metaphors had me guessing which kind of instrument you played in a rock band or something. I was not expecting the jazz and the classical guitar. Nice. Cool. <laughs> Did not know that. All right. I mean, this was great. Thanks for sharing sharing some insight into the challenges in the process you're dealing with. Might be interesting for people who want to, who are, you know, who are interested in this part of the career trajectory, just managing stuff. So thanks for sharing this. We're okay. closing on time, so don't want to keep you super long. Is there anything you'd like to plug right now? I mean, put, I'll put your LinkedIn post in the thing so people can find you there. Is there anything, I don't know, your team is publishing right now you're proud of or anything else you yeah yes yeah. 
Yeah, if you get a chance, we launched an, uh, an, I know everybody's, an app, a thought leadership app, which has some nifty little features in it. Our best thinking, basically it's got Gen AI before it was popular, some text to audio reads <laughs> in case you're in the car nice. and want to just listen to thought leadership. Got some award-winning podcasts in there. So some data charts and things of that nature that you can share out. So if you get a chance, give it a download, let us know what you think, but excited that this is, uh, it's becoming a thing. Yeah, I have it on my phone yeah. and I actually reinstalled I swapped phones yesterday and I was like, okay, which apps don't I need anymore? And I reinstalled it. Because... Awesome. Yeah, that explains a lot, Flo, because Signal yeah, just no, told me, I mean, this me, is like, how I find verify this contact yeah. again. I was like, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you got that. Yeah, that's because my other phone sort of it died on me for, I don't know what happened. Okay, fair. Oh, it's called Accenture Foresight. I don't know if I said the name, but yeah, Accenture Foresight. Yeah. Oh, we put that. We put a link in the show notes as well. And yep. can you say for how long has it been out? It's fairly recent, right? Yeah, it's been I about just... public about six months, maybe oh, okay. six, seven months. Okay. We also host live events inside it. Little 15, we call it Foresight in 15, where, you know, one of our leaders does a rapid fire Q&A on one topic related to one of our thought leadership pieces. And we actually just had one this week called on Gen AI, actually. And our CMO is the host and you know, we interview again, rapid fire. It's kind of fun. It's easy to fit into your day. No one wants to sit around for an hour webinar, yeah. you know, on, on Zoom or something. Yeah. So find it really useful. Cool. Mike, that was fun. So thanks again for hopping on. Ash, if you don't have any questions, comments yeah. left, I'll try to. No, I think we're good. Yeah. No. yeah. And pardon the, I mean, excuse me, audience, because I am still recovering from something. Yeah. Your voice is back though, which that's good. Voice is better. It's better. All right. I'll stop the recording here and I hope you have a very nice weekend or start to the week, depending on you listening to us. Bye-bye. Yeah. Th thanks for having me guys. This is great. Yeah. Thanks for being with us. Awesome. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for listening to Unbillable Hours. If you want more, tune in next week. You know where to find us. 